Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the UH Ventures Health Voyagers podcast series. Uh, I'm joined this morning uh, by a new co-host, uh, someone who's familiar to the show. And if you all remember, uh, we did a podcast. Oh, maybe I'm looking over at, at producer Patricia over here to my right, uh, maybe a year and a half ago now, maybe even longer that called Are You Even a Doctor Anymore? Uh, Dr. Gil Padula, radiation oncologist and chief medical officer at St. John Medical Center. Good morning, Gil. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for having me again. How are you Great today? to be back. Doing great. Great to be back here. Um, it certainly is a different world than it was last time we spoke. We were talking about surges and operations there. While we haven't lost sight of you know what surges are and our and our operations being so important to the vitality of our patients, it's a different world than the CMO world. So um, happy to share a little bit with all of you. Fantastic. And as you know, our listeners are really excited to learn about the inner workings of healthcare. Obviously, we spend most of our time talking about innovation in healthcare, but I do think it's nice to take a, a step back and a breath of fresh air on the you fact bet. that at the end of the day, we are the group of people who work in a hospital who help take care of patients. Um, so it's fun to have a bit of a doctor-doctor conversation. We're sad that uh, David Sylvan, our normal host, isn't with us today. David is well, um, but uh, just uh, had some scheduling conflicts. So I'm going to wing it and do my best here. Um, Gil, give us a, a step back. Give us just a quick reminder, you know, those things that we talked about, about who is the CMO? And, and we were so focused on who is the CMO in COVID before. Give us a refresher. In your words, what is the job of the CMO and, and why do you exist in the world? Sure. No, that's that's a great question. Thank you for that, Brian. The CMO is just what you think they are. They are the top doc of a hospital or medical center here. You know, I'm the CMO of uh, UH St. John Medical Center, which is the flagship um, hospital in many respects on the west side. And, and really what you are is the top administrative physician. So you are representing the physician's interest to administration, but it's also bidirectional. You're also representing administration's interests to the physicians as well. So it goes back and forth. And it's up to he or she, whoever's a CMO, to balance those interests while keeping the medical staff and the hospital moving forward together um, as tightly aligned as possible. So it's a challenging job. It sounds like it. And, and I and I hold a CMO title as well, as you know, but and certainly a different respect. But you know, and for the listeners who don't know, I'm the chief medical officer of UH Ventures, and I, I work in a similar capacity, which is bringing the concepts of it, innovation um, from a leadership perspective to our clinicians across the healthcare system, while also serving in the capacity of trying to help our innovation teams and our non-clinicians who are excited about innovation understand the role of the provider and the patient within our community uh, and the opportunities that we have to impact the way that we deliver care. So some nuances, some similar, some different, but you know, at the end of the day, and I think you would agree with this statement, we're about being here for our patients and about being here for our providers and trying to make sure that we can do the best that we can for the community. You bet. I would agree entirely. So you know, our last podcast, as you alluded to, we were really focused on those inner workings of the challenges of the response to COVID, patient surges, not enough doctors, not enough nurses. And I know that we're still in a world of not enough doctors and not enough nurses, but to a certain extent, we're kind of back to business as usual. Um, tell us, where are you today and your journey from a leadership perspective on managing the day-to-day -day of your role as the CMO? And the, the caveat question to that is, What's your big challenge right now? What what what's the opportunity that you see in front of you that you want to tackle this year? So that, that's a great question. Um, 
I, I think what was good for me um, starting as CMO in the middle of the COVID surge is that there was no choice but to jump right into operations to support our doctors, to support our patients. You'd have surges in the emergency room, beds were beyond capacity, and you had to safely engage in throughput so patients were well managed. They went home, they were not readmitted to the hospital with high levels of satisfaction. So it was like literally drinking from a fire hose. But it taught me the basics of operations. And I think a lot of physicians shy away from operations, but we forget we're scientifically trained. We did a lot of math. We did a lot of flow. We did a lot of physics. And believe it or not, a lot of those principles um, come through in hospital operations. So doctors are very well suited to that. What's been a little refreshing is now that we're beyond COVID and beyond the surges, I'm just the CMO and I'm starting to deal with you know, long-term planning. What does the medical staff look like long-term? What are some things that we knew we wanted to tackle at the med staff level? How do we engage our independents alongside our employee docs and make one unified medical staff? Where do we want St. John to look? What do we want it to look like in five years? What's our vision here? What services do we want to add? What do we want to expand upon? We thought about those things in the middle of the surge, but there were higher priorities. So what I'm in, what I'm enjoying now is that I'm doing a lot of visionary planning, a lot of long-term planning, but really re-engaging with the medical staff. Um, there's been um, a lot of pent-up desire uh, with our medical staff to engage, both from the independent and employed side. They all recognized that COVID was a priority, uh, but now it's time to sit down and um, roll up our sleeves and plan for the future. What do we all look like here? Nice. And and I know that we deal with it here down at main campus at CMC and at Rainbow, and I'm sure you've kind of felt some of the the pulling of of the of the staffing shortages. What are some of the tools and and um, and approaches that you've taken from a clinical perspective on help helping mitigate some of those challenges that you're seeing in terms of the ability to get patients down to radiology when the techs aren't, you know, aren't there, or when you're, we're dealing with nursing, nursing, excuse me, nursing staff, st nursing staffing shortages. That's a tongue twister for some reason on the floor. What are the yeah. things that you're talking to your docs about um, to help make sure that we have a, you know, a level mind and a level headed perspective on what we can and can't do? You bet. You know, there's, there's a lot of authority that comes with the title of chief medical officer, but I have found that the greatest successes are at the relationship level. If you have developed relationships with docs and they trust and respect you and it's mutual, you can make almost anything happen. You know, we're dealing with, you know, throughput issues. Um, you know, somebody is admitted and we don't want long length of stays, right? And everybody thinks that's for reimbursement. It's really not. Nobody wants their mom, their grandma, their dad, their grandpa in a hospital bed a long time because we all know what's going to happen. They're going to get deconditioned and they're at risk for infection. So we want the acute issue treated, but we want them to be able to go home as soon as possible. So when we see certain doctors are doing a lot of outpatient studies as inpatients, but patients are medically ready for discharge, I can pull the CMO lever and say, these patients need to go home. Why are they here? But what I find is more effective is a phone call saying, hey, I've noticed you're doing a lot of um, outpatient studies when your patients are admitted as an inpatient. How can we help with that? oh, I was really just trying to expedite things for them. And I appreciate that. So usually people are very well-intentioned. So rather than pull the CMO lever, I engage in a conversation. And, and I extract it from the relationship that I have with that individual. And they say, yeah, it does make more sense to get them home. I'll just have them follow up as an outpatient. So the patients are satisfied they're getting home sooner. 
Radiology can deal with acute inpatient issues, and we're advancing throughput. Everybody wins. The, the primary physicians win. Most importantly, the patients win, and the hospital gets to have optimal throughput that way. But it's really relational. A lot of people think, I'm going to go to the CMO and make this happen. You can do that, but there's always a story. And usually the story is, well, I was just really trying to help the patient get this taken care of before they went home. So that's appreciated. But in the modern era, you can't have somebody waiting for studying in a bed for two days. We have to make room in that bed for somebody who's more acutely ill than that patient, but we will serve them as an outpatient and get them in as quickly as possible. So things are shifting in that regard. I love that perspective. And I, I love the fact that it's, it, it's, it is about building the relationships and it is about our patients at the end of the day. And yep. I do think that sometimes as, as clinicians, sometimes we forget because we feel that push of the financial return of, you know, the operational side of things. Yep. And I think that I can imagine the the role that you play is is somewhat comforting as well in those conversations so that people hear that, yeah, it's okay, you're doing the right thing, but let me help you do it in a different way that's more efficient for us. That's exactly it. And nobody likes a text or a phone call from the CMO. The first thing you get is doom and gloom. Am I being fired? What did I do? Who turned me in? It's the so cold sweat. Exactly. So what you want to be able to do is develop a relationship to know he's calling me. I'm not getting fired, but he is calling me because maybe there's something we can do better together. And that should be the message. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Tell me what's, um, what's a fun win that you've had recently at St. John, any, any good patient stories that you could share with us, something exciting that happened? You know, I think what, what, I think it's a constellation of things. I think it's our patient experience with doctors. Um, we surpassed as physicians, um, our established targets for 2022 and everybody thinks, you know, doctors, you know, don't want to be a part of patient experience. Well, guess what? We all want good outcomes and studies show when patients have a better experience, they have better outcomes. And there are many simple things you can do. I can do a one-hour slideshow how to bump up patient experience. But, you know, a lot of that came to, um, if you have 10 seconds, sit down in front of the patient and make eye contact and they will automatically have greater confidence in their care. And um, those little steps and those little things have shown our physicians that you can make an impact. And so um, we're, I'm just real proud of our docs. They embraced it. They did it. And um, it's, it's just nice to see them lead in patient experience. So it's a constellation of factors. And when we get letters from patients and their families saying, I came into the ER, I knew everybody was busy. I could tell people were putting their hair out, but they made me feel like the most important person in the room. That's gratifying. That's just a career win and something you carry with you, you know, for years. That's awesome. This wouldn't be the innovation podcast if we didn't talk about, you know, opportunities and challenges on the innovation front. You know, we're on our epic journey here at University Hospitals, you know, the first uh, wave of rollouts coming uh, less than a month from right now, yep. um, which is really exciting. Curious to get your perspective uh, on your vision for epic and, and how it will help you and St. John be successful moving into the future. I think we need to think of healthcare like other professionals have thought of healthcare. Um, nowadays, you can text your accountant, you can text your lawyer. Um, I let my patients text me, and that was a big jump for me. And I realized they're very respectful of my time. Um, and so I think we need to look at Epic to see how we can really enhance that connectivity with patients. Not everybody has the time or the resources. There's elderly people out there that don't know how to click for an Uber to, to get in. Um, but, you know, a grandchild can help them click on their computer to do a telehealth visit. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of telehealth utilization 
before the pandemic, it exploded. And I think now it's back down to 10%. Um, and I think we said this at our last podcast. I think the future of healthcare will be on the terms the patient want when they want. And I, and I think there's a whole new generation of people coming that want to be able to just engage with their provider remotely through text, through FaceTime, whatever, through some sort of secured platform. And if the doctor does need to do physical exam to look for physical exam findings, of course, there's always going to be an office there. But I'm looking forward to utilizing Epic to see if we can supercharge telehealth and kind of engaging with patients on their terms. Are you guys doing anything else innovative at St. John right now? Any fun pilots that are up and running that you can think of that you would want to share with the audience, whether it be doctor-related, nursing-related, patient engagement, anything fun from that side of it? Yeah, we're, we're you know, we're doing a triad. We've really, as, you, as we talked about in the last podcast, we really embrace throughput. So we have a one o'clock call where doctors, transitional care coordinators, nurses get on the call and talk about who's going home tomorrow, who's ready, who needs a ride home, whose daughter-in-law is going to be here at 9 a.m., kind of like try to map out the day. And we're kind of like on a back-to-basics tour. In the old days, the doctor would walk on the floor, the case manager would meet the doctor, and the nurse would meet the doctor, and they would go in the patient's room. Imagine that. And what the patients loved was that they're witnessing their care being coordinated. They don't have to fill out a, a survey. They don't have to tell anybody, I have confidence in this. They know. They've witnessed the entire team talking. So we're going to be piloting something called triad rounding where the doctor walks on the floor at St. John. Um, that's just happening at some select markets on the West side as well. And the TCCs, the nurses will round with the doctor and go in the patient room and say, you know, for example, you've been here a day and a half. We expect you'll be here another day and a half. Your pneumonia is clearing. Um, you know, we look forward to getting you back home. What needs do you think you'll have at home? We're always good at saying they need they need a Hoyer lift, they need oxygen, but the patients know their situation better than anybody. So there's really going to be another participant in this rounding, and it's going to be the patient. And on top of that, they're going to witness all this communication. So I think it's even going to drive patient experience up higher. Um, and I think it's going to help with length of stay and throughput and discharges as well. So stay tuned. Very cool. I look forward to seeing the results of that. Um, what's one piece of technology? And this could be you could you could put on your radiation oncologist hat if you want to right now, or your CMO hat. Just curious, what's one piece of technology that you think that we don't have in healthcare today that would be transformational? That's a great question. I would say on the trajectory we're going. You know, something that can remotely monitor patients. Um, we're, we're kind of there, but it's in its infancy. We can remotely monitor blood pressures. We can remotely monitor respirations. But I think to really be able to stay ahead of the curve for our, our cardiac patients, and we're getting there, for example, our CHF patients, when they're starting to get into fluid overload to the point where we can diurese them as an outpatient before they have to be readmitted, Nobody, nobody wants to go back into the hospital. The doctor doesn't want it, the family doesn't want it, and the patient doesn't want it. To sort of know what's going on with your pathophysiology before you present to the emergency room so you can get a call from your navigator and say, hey, it looks like your pulmonary artery pressure is going up. We're going to go ahead and give you some extra Lasix to get that fluid off. Guess what? We just spared a readmission tomorrow night. Patient feels better, and they're optimized on their trajectory of healing. So I think... We need more technology like that. And I think when we're grandparents, Brian, our 
children will be practicing with that kind of remote technology. I, I would agree with that. I, I, I have a similar uh, kind of thought perspective. We've been having a lot of conversations with some really interesting companies that are looking at the collection of data from disparate sources. Um, and how do we put all of that information to be able to your point, provide some predictive analytics. Um, yep. You know, for me on the on the neuro side of the world, and obviously I take care of children, but I always think about my time, you know, as a resident and, you know, how amazing would it be if we could start to predict who is at risk for having a stroke right before, right? A heart attack uh, and renal hemorrhage and those types of things. And, yeah. you know, there's probably so much information that we could gather from a person's environment, as well as the monitoring systems that will get developed. But, you know, imagine if you could prevent the catastrophic, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously chronic illness and, and and prevention is really important and I'm not taking anything away from, from that vision and that goal and that desire, but also, you know, the amount of, uh, of length of, of days in hospital and morbidity associated with having an MI or a stroke, yeah. if we could take those patients that we're already monitoring to your point with their CHF or their COPD or their hypertension and also start to pull out those other characteristics to be like, hey, this person has had like these couple intermittent spikes of blood pressure, you know, I, and if we had the data to look retrospectively at the people who had ICHs, like they're on their way to an ICH. We need to get their blood pressure controlled right now. Yep. Right? And you like, just you just spare that emergency room visit, right? They're right? not going to show up with malignant hypertension. Yeah. Like I, it just would be so cool to, to get that. And I, and I agree with you. I think we're going to get there. I yeah. think it's um I think that we're starting to find ways to connect those different types of data sources um and getting the right groups of people looking at them all, um, so that we can start to be a little bit more proactive as opposed yep. to what we are in medicine, which is unfortunately reactive. Um, yeah, we say it's healthcare, but it's really sick care. And I hope yeah. we continue to transition to healthcare. Yeah, I agree yeah. 100%. So um, in our podcast, we always like to get a little bit personal. Um, you shared with me before um, that you have a special Valentine celebration coming up. Um, tell me, uh, what where, where are you headed? Um, headed to Nashville. Uh, my wife has never been there, so we have um, just a, a fun long weekend plan with some good barbecue and um, sleeping in, and some hopefully some good live music. So we're looking forward to it. Awesome. All right. What's uh, what's your music uh, of choice? Are, are you a country fan or just enjoy? We are not country fans, but but somehow the whole Nashville vibe doesn't get in the way, and we can immerse ourselves in it. So we we both like all music except country. So a lot of people scratch their heads and say, "Why are you guys going there?" It's like. We just want to eat good food, basically. So, but Na and Nashville is great because there's a yeah. lot of not country in the in the, in the bars there. So, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of fun. I, I'm I'm a big fan of Nashville. Only thing that I will recommend that you do when you go to Nashville, you got to buy some cowboy boots. It's kind of like a. Yeah, I, I, we talked about that last night. She's like, "There's no way we're buying cowboy boots," but it's it's going to be a long weekend, so you might see me in cowboy boots on Monday. Very nice. And if you happen to grab a hat while you're there too, I, I won't. I won't tell you you're wrong. I, I, I have four pairs of cowboy boots, and I can't tell you how many cowboy hats. So love it, uh, love just, it. Uh, just kind of there. Uh, tell us um, any new books, podcasts, movies that you're really excited about that you want to share with with our listeners. You know, I tend to read um, a lot of leadership books, but I've taken a reprieve. And um, and through confession, I'm reading the Prince Harry book right now. I just started it. Um, just seems like a very affected guy. So I look forward to delving into what this whole story was, having to talk about your family. I'm thinking, man, my family has a lot of dysfunction, but I would never write a book about it and make it public. But let's see what he has to say. 
Oh, very interesting. I'll, you'll have to let me you have to follow up with me. Let me know how it goes. I will. Um, Gil, thank you so much. Thank really, you, Brian. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you again. I love this kind of circling back to some to an old guest uh, in a new time, right? And in, in yep. your role and, and and having our listeners learn a little bit more about the role of CMO in a more traditional healthcare environment, if you will. Obviously, we know healthcare is always evolving and always changing, but it's always a pleasure to have you here. To our listeners. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Um, next month, very excited. Kendra Gardner, who's our Director of Product Strategy, will be our guest. David will be back in the driver's seat, and I can be back navigating again. Um, and want to remind everybody, if you have any questions about who we are, you want to visit us, see us our work, please feel free to check out our website. It's ventures.uhhospitals.org. Gil, have a fantastic sunny day in February in Cleveland, and we'll look forward to catching you next time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here, Brian. Thank you. Thank you.